Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, you all in podcast land. Uh, this is David Weiss, and I am joined uh, by my beautiful co-host, Dr. Aaron Weiss, for a, another episode of Psych and Sales. Uh, Dr. Weiss, would you like to say hi to everybody? Hi, everyone. So on this episode of Psych and Sales, uh, we are going to be uh, diving into uh, self-defeating beliefs. And uh, I'm, I'm a little worried to be on the hot seat because I, I don't exactly know what we're going to be covering. Uh, Aaron came up with this topic, and it uh, looks like we're going to be doing a series on self-defeating beliefs. Um, so Aaron, why don't you tell us kind of what these uh, self-defeating beliefs are? How do, how do they work? Sure. Self-defeating belief is kind of like a value system of sorts where it's, it's this idea that you have of maybe what you need to do to have worth as a person or how things need to be in order for you to feel okay about the world or yourself. And so they can actually be helpful in some ways a lot of the time, as long as things are going smoothly in your world. Uh, but as soon as something happens that kind of rocks that belief or makes you feel like you're not living according to it, that can lead to anxiety or depression. It kind of throws things off. So they're like, always there, but they only become problematic under certain situations. Um, in fact, you might even say they might, they're not necessarily good or bad or right or wrong. They just could be helpful or unhelpful in different situations. Awesome. So um, they're, they're both positive and negative. Uh, they're, they're kind of uh, with us a lot of the time. What is, uh, what is the first self-defeating belief? And folks, I think there's like 20 something of these that I saw and I got overwhelmed. So I promise we're not going to go through all of them. We're going to categorize some of them. So what's, what's the first category? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. We do have a list that we'll post in the show notes um, of the 23 self-defeating beliefs. We're going to go off of the list that Dr. David Burns uses and we're they're grouped into categories and we'll just cover them by category because the ones in the categories kind of go together. And we're going to start with the achievement category. And there's three there. Um, perfectionism which is this idea like I need to be perfect and never make mistakes um, or I'm worthless. Uh, perceived perfectionism, that one's a little confusing. It's, it's not that I feel like I need to be perfect. It's that I expect everyone else thinks I need to be perfect and that other people won't value me if I'm flawed. Um, and then achievement addiction. I think a lot of salespeople can probably relate to these three. So, so if I'm understanding you, we're, we're not, now I'm less scared. So we're, what we're going to be talking about is, you know, the feeling of I need to be perfect or that other people expect me to be perfect, which we, you know, our clients and um, our family and uh, our, our bosses and our companies, you know, so it's one of the reasons why we do so much research and maybe, uh, put so much pressure on ourselves to to memorize things and then show up really well and then oh boy achievement addiction I, I think I, I'm I'm guilty of that one where you know this this need to once you start winning to to always be winning and and almost wrap up uh, your self worth as a salesperson in you know the leaderboard so that's um I, I'm less scared I think we can uh, I think we can unpack some of this as a uh, as salespeople. So, um, so where do we go from here, Dr. Weiss? Yeah, I mean, you make a good point there in terms of self-worth. Some people even call these three in particular self-esteem equations. So in order to feel good about myself, I have to have any of these things. Um, so first, you know, recognizing, I would, I'd like to know from you, when in a salesperson, what would you say are some of the things that would maybe throw off a salesperson who has this belief system and, and what would you expect behaviorally? What would they do once 
they are not meeting those standards. So do we want to just go over this broadly or should we just unpack one by one? Um, so like, let's, should we start with the, that personal feeling to need be perfect? Sure, what's going on? that's a good idea. Okay, so if, if we're just starting with that, the internal need to be perfect, um, I mean, folks, I think that that shows up in, in a lot of different ways. You know, one of the ways that shows up is uh, fear when we're, when we're prospecting. You know, this need that to know 100% everything before we make an outbound call or, or send an email. Um, and there, there's a principle uh, by uh, Pareto um, that talks about this 80-20 rule where 80% of your results uh, will be deli delivered by 20% of your actions. So I think perfection comes in there where it's like, look, 20% um, is going to get you to 80 but to get that much past that point, you're needing to spend that much more time and that much more energy. And by the time we reach, you know, in the high 90s to 100% of perfection, the amount of effort and work that went into that, we could have done, you know, 5x the output um, at a less perfect rate and, and a slightly yeah. less perfect rate. And so we see that there. And then we see that in our prep for, you know, uh, going into our accounts. And we see that in, um, you know, the, just the, the work we do to every single day is that we feel like we need to know all this stuff. Um, but the reality is all you really need to be, all you really need is just the relevant information to, um, make that call. So the, the few data points and then the deeper research being done as prep before the meeting. Um, so, I mean, there's just, there's things like that, that I'm sure show up for, for all of us where we really do feel like, um, we need to be you know, hundred percent there or perfect. And we're frankly, you know, wasting time or energy and the, the results um, aren't that much greater. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you're, you're starting to hit to you on some of the things that I want to cover in what you do once you've realized you've got a self-defeating belief. So we, we start looking at those positives and negatives. So on the, the positive side for perfectionism, you have things like doing research, be, being well-informed, not just jumping into meetings without any information. Uh, it's going to serve you well to think that you need to be perfect in some of those ways, but then you, you hit the situation where maybe it becomes a paralysis almost where it gets in the way of doing the things that you need to do because you aren't quite at perfect yet. Yep. Yeah. And, and, I've got a friend who says sales is a thinking process and I always counter that with sales as a doing process. And, um, I, I feel like it's, it's maybe a little bit of both, but if you spend too much thinking time thinking and not enough time doing, um, the person who just does lots and lots and lots of things will end up beating you. Um, you know, even if their thoughts aren't as good. <laughs> yeah. And, and sales folks, um, that's that let's tie that back to challenger sale. Um, where in low complex sales, the hard worker, the person who just does the most is the winner. Um, the, the challenger only actually wins um, in high complex sales um, where yes, lots of thinking and, and teaching, tailoring, taking control is needed. Um, but the, the point is that in a lot of sales um, and a lot of folks listening, it just doing a lot of hard work and not getting caught up in all of the details can actually be a can actually serve you well. Yeah, and I would actually encourage anyone listening who's interested in this and kind of sees themselves in this and maybe sees it getting in the way somewhere to maybe take out a piece of paper right now and put a line down the middle and on one side start writing out what are the ways that having this belief serves me. Not like how does it serve me well to be perfect, but to believe I need to be perfect or whichever of the beliefs it is. And then on the other side, start writing out what are the problems with having this belief system? How is it getting in my way? 
Um, so what about perceived perfectionism? What, what would be some of the, the positives that you might see there for a salesperson? So perceived perfection, I, I look at that as um, a lot of the external factors, our clients, our, our relationships with our, our significant others, um, our, our bosses, um, our companies. They, they definitely hold us to a high standard. I mean, sure, we, yeah. get, we get performance reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, we get our calls listened to uh, at a lot of companies. We get our metrics tracked at a lot of companies. I mean, there is this idea that we're going to set a bar for you and you have to hit that bar. Um, but there, I, and I, I do feel like there's also this really you know, positive and fun movement within sales right now, which is you know, bringing humanity more back into it. And you know what, us as humans, we aren't perfect. We can't be perfect. We're not robots. We will fail and failure is okay. As long as you learn from it and don't make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, um, cause then you're not growing. So, so there's a movement to combat perceived perfectionism. There, there is absolutely a, a movement for that. Um, and, and it, it's, it's a tough one. Um, because there are high expectations, but I'll also argue um, there's high expectations, but those are not that you need to be perfect. Um, those are that you need to have a constant momentum to goal. And you can be human and have a constant momentum towards your goal um, without it necessarily being perfect. So I, I just want to, as, as a sales leader and as a long-term professional seller, I can tell you right now, I am not perfect. Um, I will never be. I am actually on the uh, side of less detail is better um, and moving faster um, will will win ultimately. So um, just know that uh, I'm trying to remove some of that from our listeners here. Like uh, it, it is okay not to be perfect. It absolutely is okay not to be perfect. So um, I'm having a little bit of a harder time thinking of the benefits of perceived perfectionism. What are some good things that it's might mo- come it's motivating? From- it's motivating. Feeling like you sure. There you go. It's motivating. Yeah, your boss, you thinking your boss needs you to be perfect. You're gonna you're gonna do that extra bit of research. You're gonna study that slide a little bit more. You're gonna role play that. Sure, talk you're gonna track. try and figure things out yourself. You're, you're right? gonna try and figure out things. And and look, folks, please figure things out yourself. Don't call your boss for everything. They won't like you for that. I never like that. But um, you know, do the best you can. But then once you get to a point where like it, it is taking too long and it's hard to define too long, but once it feels too long, once you're like, look, I've, I've looked five places and I've spent 10 minutes on this and I really can't figure out I have tried. Yeah. Pick up the phone, drop a Slack, send an email, you know, ask for help. Right. And that's kind of the negative side of perceived for sec- for perfectionism, right? That you may feel like you need to hide any flaws. flaws, any mistakes you make, any knowledge you don't have, you might not actually ask people for help and it might lead to messing up more. Um, so again, writing out what are those positives and the negatives and it, at the end, we're gonna have you kind of weigh what kind of wins there, are the positives stronger or the negatives stronger? If it was on a 100 point scale, where, what would each side weigh for you? Um, should we skip ahead now to the achievement addiction and what are the, the positives a, and negatives of that? I'm, I'm excited for this one because um, I, I am a achievement addict. Yes, I, you are. <laughs> I, I will compete and try and win at, at just about absolutely everything. Um, in fact, I'm even um, right now trying to beat myself and how good I am at, at winning. Um, so it's <laughs> even in that talk track, like, it was funny. I was, um, I was on a podcast the other day 
and people were, and I got a question like, you know, um, how do you turn off on the weekends? And my, my answer was very intentional turning off. And they were like, so, so, so even your, your disconnecting is, is a, is a high achievement. <laughs> compatible. I'm like, wait a second. Yes, I'm the best disconnector. Um, so you, you hear this um, come out in, in, in people when they need to be the best or they need to, you know, be highly intentional at something. It's, it's, it's a need for achievement and being great at everything. Um, and, and I struggle with that. You know, when I want to read a book, I order five books. And when I say it's going to, I'm going to need to read one, a, run a, uh, one a month, I end up trying to read one a week or like, um, or if I'm like exercising, I want to get an app and then compete with my friends on it or, you know, do research, never stop uh, researching or, you know, winning a deal. Like it's just, it's one of those things where I, I always try and improve. I always try and better myself, but I never stop. And I'm always looking for that next trophy, that next personal award, that next personal win. Um, and it, it's partial achievement addiction. I almost go as far as it's, it's, it's an obsession. It's a compulsion. I have OCD. I don't know what it is, but I just can't stop. And I can't even stop talking right now about my need to talk <laughs> yeah. about achievements. So look at this folks. You're <laughs> seeing it, you <laughs> see it unfold right in front of you. It's amazing, right? All right. So I'm just going right. to shut up now. Aaron, what do you think about all those problems I have? So I, I, I can, I can relate to am achievement I, am, Do I have the most achievement addiction of I, anyone? You're definitely beating me with your achievement addiction. Yeah, Success. Yeah. I won the room. I, I'm, I'm working on being a reformed achievement addict. Um, so yes. Um, as far as that goes, I, I hear some positives here. I hear bettering yourself. I hear um, doing, doing a lot of, of things that are going to be productive and, and maybe helpful to the comp company or helpful to yourself. Um, I'm, I'm also hearing that a positive here is kind of this meeting goals. So one of the things that feels good to us, what kind of gives us a, a dose of feel good neurotransmitters is attaining goals. So if you're an achievement addict and you're always setting these goals and you're meeting them, then you're going to feel really, really good. So it gives you a way of measuring your self-worth and feeling good about yourself, right? So there's a lot of positives there for that. Am I also hearing you say some negatives? What, can yeah, we no, clarify tr those? Trust me, guys, there's so many negatives in this. I mean, you start tying your self-worth to achievement. So if, it's harder to turn off. Yeah. Well, let, we'll unpack that too, but let, let's, you know, let's start where I was starting. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Um, and, and that's, you know, think about it. Um, if your self-worth is based on your ability to hit your number and you don't hit your number, then what does that say about you? Um, and if your self-worth is, um, you know, winning at all these micro transactions or micro actions and all of a sudden you start, you know, failing there, um, what does that say about you? So that, that, um, has been a, a problem. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so driven is because I do base a lot of my self-worth on my ability to do the things I say I'll do, the ability to help others, the ability to hit goals, the ability to live up to the standards that the organizations that choose to pay me, you know, set for me, which are often pretty high bars. Um, so that just means that I'm always on, always doing things. And that, that brings to, to Aaron's, you know, next point, which is, you know, what is the negative of that? And the negative of that is, um, it, it gives me less time uh, with family. Um, it gives me um, more pressure and added stress and anxiety, which can, um, you know, show its head as in uh, being argumentative and, and you know, lower frustration tolerance and, um, you know, getting in 
uh, erroneous fights because I'm feeling stressed because uh, I, like I joined a new company. And lately I've been feeling like I need to research all of my accounts, um, you know, find people, throw them into sequence, um, things that uh, the, the amount of work I am doing right now realistically could take three weeks and I'm trying to condense it down to four days. Um, and it's a long weekend and we are interfering with that, aren't we? <laughs> yes, you guys are. Um, and there's been levels of frustration that I've had with my family and I, I, I forgive myself and them and um, <laughs> and I, I need to step away. And after this podcast, I'm going to try and spend some time with them, um, today. Uh, but that, that's the thought is that, you know, I am, you know, addicted to that. And that goes back to external perfectionism and, you know, all of those things it's, it's, they're, they're kind of all tied together. So yeah, it can drive a lot of success, but it can also, um, create rifts within, you know, your personal relationships when you spend all time in your professional world. Absolutely. And, and kind of given all of that, if you, some people might, if they're finding that they're making mistakes, try harder. Um, but other people, if there's a lot of losses of achievement, it might start to wear on them and it might make it, them feel like there's no point in even trying. Right. So it, it could definitely wear away in that way too. And that's going to be kind of a personal thing. That's why I say folks, these are not necessarily negative overall. I mean, probably a lot of very high achieving people are high achieving partially because of having They're these addicted thoughts. to the high achievement. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, so it's kind of a personal process of figuring out for you, what are the pros, what are the cons, which weighs more. And if there's more cons, it doesn't mean you have to completely give it up. It's maybe just making a shift in exactly how you think of it. So instead of I have to be perfect, like I like to do well, and if I make mistakes, I'm going to try and learn from them and, and grow or something like that. So kind of creating a new, more reasonable approach for yourself, a new value system that you're working off of that is going to give you a little bit of leeway and maybe even help you keep going yeah. once you run into roadblocks as opposed to potentially shutting you down if you feel like you're hitting too many roadblocks. Well, and I'll, and I'll say labeling is sometimes important. Um, because now that, that now that some of these things has, have been labeled for you all um, and labeled for me, uh, hopefully it's easier to understand that um, you're not alone. Um, the feelings that you're feeling, you know, I feel, Aaron feels, they're they're very normal to feel, and and um, people that have high standards and high bars for themselves. Absolutely, that's a, a positive there. I think that it's culturally too. We've got that like Calvinist work ethic that the United States is you know, um, built on this. So it's kind of within our culture that some of these ideas too, it's very pervasive. Yep. So no, I mean, there is internal perfection, external perfection and, 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 you know, perf and addiction to achievement. Those are all labels that you now, you know, have been explained and unpacked for you. So hopefully you can kind of look at that and identify them and say, you know, am I experiencing some of these things? And, you know, uh, as Aaron says, you know, what, what good are they bringing to you? Um, and I wouldn't say, you know, for me personally, I'd want you to necessarily get rid of all of them. Absolutely not. But, you know, there there needs to be a, a balance here. It's more of a shift, right? Like, how do I keep the positive side of this and let go of some of the negatives? So how do I shift yeah. my perspective? It's not all or nothing, like either I, you know, am super high achieving or I just have to give everything up. Yeah. And so I, I would almost relate that back to, you know, think about a stereo and you've got, you know, the knobs of a volume. And there are a lot of people that um, may have this turned up to a hundred and, you know, 
unfortunately that loud volume is drowning out all the other things that are going on around you. It's a roller coaster. And um, it's, it's drowning out the other noise, but that other noise, and I don't mean to call, you know, the, your personal life noise because it, it's absolutely not. I, Glad to be um, your noise. <laughs> you, you're the best noise of my life. Um, but you know, there's, there's personal noise and professional noise. And if you've got, you know, your speakers turned up to a hundred in your professional world, you're drowning out the rest. And so uh, I'm trying to paint a little bit of a mental image for you where maybe you need to turn down that, that professional stereo a little bit and, and go from it being turned to a hundred to maybe turn to 80 or, or 70 and, and then allowing, you know, the, the volume and the noise of the, the rest to come through a little bit and, and knowing when to turn it down and knowing when to turn it off. Um, yeah, absolutely. I like that. And it's very similar to an analogy that, that I use, this dial analogy with people all the time. Um, also kind of thinking about... Do you need credit for what I was just saying? No, it's actually not my credit. Oh, okay. I, it, do, I need to, do I need to cite someone or am I good? Back to Dr. Dr. Burns. Oh, and Dr. His, Burns? <laughs> Dr. Burns, you and, I, you and I need to connect. I promise <laughs> I didn't steal it from you. That was my own thought. Um, yeah, but it, that's, it's very accurate. And so I think also kind of recognizing it can be a scary thought to Kind of shift away from some of this for people but at the same time it, people often find that they wind up achieving more and being more productive when they're able to look at this in a, in a healthier more balanced way than when they have it at that extreme high volume um, so being more flexible in it and more forgiving of yourself often leads to actually meeting those goals in a better way than um, keeping them very rigidly has been Awesome. So I, I think we've given you guys a pretty good overview of this. We're going to be doing a series. Um, what, what's the next self-defeating belief? Do you, do you know? Our next category is the uh, love category. Ah, so we're going to be digging into love on our next podcast. Um, so please stay tuned for that. Self-defeating um, beliefs around love. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, so anything else you want? Any closing thoughts for the audience before we wrap up? Uh, no, just as a little, you know, intro to how to start chipping away at any beliefs that might be getting in your way so that you can actually be a happier, healthier, more productive uh, person and, and, and salesperson. Awesome. No, thank you, uh, Aaron. I appreciate you. Um, thank you all for listening. As usual, uh, we hope you all um, stay happy, stay healthy. Um, and if we can uh, do anything for you, um, reach out to us on LinkedIn. Uh, let us know. Um, but uh, until next time, take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you.